Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different people come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Habakkuk and what it looks like to practice faithful, unconditional wrestling with God. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining my co-host Aaron and me in conversation today are Lori Cordaro and Alicia Byers. And Lori, you're going to start us off by telling us a little bit about the relationship between you and Alicia. Oh, boy. (laughs) I feel like we got to know each other when I would help in the four-year-old class, and Alicia and Mike were over in the fives. And then the other funny thing to me was when we had the Lake Junaluska retreat, I was riding with Debbie Hawkins, and all of a sudden we look up in North Carolina and we're at a stoplight because we had to take a, a detour. And guess who was in front of us? Miss Alicia Byers. And so we're waving and honking, and there she is. And so we had a good time. It was fun. It was fun to see somebody familiar in an unexpected place. Yes. Especially since we were sitting in traffic. So I called Debbie, and we had a little uh, talk before we continued on down the road. So. And I'm envisioning, because my kids went to four- and five-year-old nursery, so I'm envisioning that hallway and y'all being across from each other, Mm -hmm. and just how nice it was for my boys to have y'all in that place, and the work that y'all did there was very much grateful for that. My my middle son had to repeat, I think, five-year-old pre-K. He's old enough now at this point. He's not going to care about that, but I remember (laughs) it was so sweet, Alicia, your husband said to him, he came back on when you advance, like that advancement Sunday, whatever that's called. And he said, he said, Jack, uh, you're not in the Sunday school class anymore. And Jack was like, actually, I have to do redo pre-K. And he, Michael was so sweet. He's like, you come on in here. I'm so glad you're back. It was, it was precious. Well, now we make those leaders. So oh, he, he doesn't, leaders. yeah, anybody who repeats gets to be a leader. Mm, I have a friend that one of her life mantras is in serving, we find community. So I'm going to just note that you guys have found your friendship by serving together. That's right. Love that. It's very cool. Some of my closest friends here at the church too. Rocking the babies in the nursery. Love that little connection. All right, well, let's do our first things first question. I'm going to ask the question. You're going to answer it. But before you do, you're going to give a brief bio on yourself. So brief bio and then answer the first things first question, which is who is the first person you text when something exciting happens? I'm Lori Cordaro, and I'm a retired occupational therapist married to Vince for 40 years. Wow. Been at the church for 41, and Vince has been here for over 45, I think even though he doesn't look that old. (laughs) Did y'all meet at the church? Um, We did, kind of, sort of, yes. And we have four children, and we have a daughter-in-law, and the first person that I call would be a close friend or text. Very good. What about you, Alicia? My name is Alicia Byers, and I am married to Michael. We just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. We started as members at First Pres right after we got married. And soon thereafter, we began teaching kindergarten. So that's been our fun joy to do together. I am an insurance agent and tax preparer. I recently moved my office from a brick and mortar to working from home. Woo-hoo. Ooh, nice. Happy about that. So the first person that I would normally text when I was at work would be Michael, but now I can just yell to him. So It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. So do you have a second? Do you have a close second? Uh, I I think everything, uh, you know, good, bad, anything going on, it was usually Michael. I guess the second would probably be my mom because she helped me in the office sometimes so I could talk to her. But um, 
he he's my go-to yeah sweet <laughs> well amber i think this is a trick question because context is king it depends on what the exciting thing was it does it does probably a large percentage of the times it will be brad because it might have to do with our family and it's like oh i want to let him know like about this cool thing but if it's something you know my mom might be excited about also would maybe call or text her close friend if it's something to have to do with our little circle of friends so yeah it totally depends it does you're right (laughs) as you're saying that i thought you're right because my answer was john my husband is usually the one i text if something's exciting has happened but then there are certain things that john wouldn't be excited about Mm -hmm. with me that i want somebody who can celebrate he doesn't care about your lululemon leggings being on sale (laughs) no he does not he does not know what lululemon is put the credit card away Exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But of course, there is something very enjoyable about expressing ourselves to another individual and having them reply to us. It's it's great, especially when that thing is exciting. But even when that thing is difficult, it's it's very nice to be able to say something to someone and have them say something back to us. And the thing about texting is it seems so instantaneous. I don't have to wait for John to come home from work to tell him the thing and get him to respond to me. I can send him a text. Although with my husband, John, it it doesn't really work very well. Um, Some people are shaking their heads because they know John's notorious for not responding to texts in a time-appropriate manner. But a lot of people are. And so we get used to immediate responses you don't really have to wait very much to hear back and we don't really love waiting and sometimes we don't really see much of the value in waiting but today in our passage we are going to talk about waiting and what waiting looks like in our faith when we bring our questions to God and he doesn't text us right back we are waiting for his response waiting for what we will see so in Habakkuk up to this point we have seen Habakkuk is a prophet he goes to God with complaint. And that's unique because oftentimes in the prophets and the scriptures, God goes to the prophet, gives him his word, and the prophet delivers that word to God's people. But here, God actually gives, allows Habakkuk to see an oracle. And part of that oracle is a complaint that Habakkuk brings to God to see what God will have to say in response. So Habakkuk has complained initially. His initial complaint is that my nation is in this corrupt state and we have wandered away from our covenantal roots. When will you bring us back? Why are you waiting? That's Habakkuk's initial complaint. God responds to Habakkuk's complaint saying, I am doing something. In fact, I'm doing something you wouldn't believe if I told you, but I'm going to tell you, I'm bringing the Babylonians, this nation that's hovering around the outside of this little nation, Judah, and I'm going to bring them in to conquer you, to take you out of your land, to disperse you, to bring judgment. And Habakkuk saying, how can that possibly, last week we talked about, how can that be your answer? How can that be right? How can you in your good sovereignty use an evil nation like that? And now we're at the place where Habakkuk saying, I want to know what you have to say about that, God, and I am going to wait for you to answer me. So that's where we're going to pick up reading today. Uh, We start our passage just chapter two, verse one, and this is what Habakkuk says. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. 
See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faith. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. So Aaron, talk to us a little bit about what's going on here, both in Habakkuk's stance of waiting and in the Lord's beginning reply to him. Okay, so like you talked about, Habakkuk is issued his complaint. Now he's ready to listen and he's waiting upon the Lord. And the essence of this response from the Lord that we hear here is that God is saying, I'm great and I'm good to you. And you're not great. And I'm going to show you the way of what's going to happen. So write it down. So you see here in verse four, it's kind of a summary of the whole Bible that he's saying it's not the people that are that think of themselves as good. It's almost a corrective to Habakkuk. He's saying, crying out like, Lord, why are you bringing the Babylonians to destroy us? We're the good guys. I don't understand this. Aren't you a good God? Like, how are you taking care of us through this? And the Lord is saying, well, actually, it's your faith that makes you righteous, your faith in me that makes you righteous. It's not because you're better than somebody else or that you think that you're pretty good. The the cleansing thing that allows you to be in my holiness is the faith that you have in me. So put your faith in me. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what interested you guys. Alicia, so we'll start with you. What surprised or interested you out of this passage? I think it was Habakkuk's boldness. Uh, He seemed to me that he was there demanding answers, and he had a steadfast resolve to be there as long as it takes. It's like he was What's the deal, God? What's going on? I'm not going anywhere until you tell me what's going on. So I think to me it was his boldness because sometimes I feel like I'm not bold mm-hmm. enough to say what's going on. Why mm-hmm. am I not getting the answer or, or yeah. what do you want me to do? Or So it was his boldness that yeah. attracted me to the verse. I like that. It's even an act of faith to put our prayers and our questions and our complaint before the Lord. Right. I like the fact that he was very expectant as he was looking to God for answers and while the world was just falling around him. He just had a lot of things on his mind, and you're calling me out of Jerusalem, which is the holy city, and you're telling me that these Babylonians are going to drag us by the hair and take us back to Babylon, and it's like, no way, Jose, not going. So he was very expectant. He had his complaint, and yet he was still expecting and trusting God for an answer. Yeah. And then there is that part where he says, I'm going to station myself um, at my watch post or at the watchtower and I'm going to wait and I'm going to see uh, what he will say to me and what answer he will give to my complaint. And I do love that because oftentimes I kind of have an answer in mind, you know, like I kind of think, Lord, if you're going to answer this question, it's probably going to be along these lines. But it stuck out to me that he's saying, I I need you to put your words in my mouth. How, In fact, I think he says how I will answer my complaint. Like Habakkuk says, the answer I will give to myself is the answer that God will give to me. And that is an act of faith. It's bold faith. It's expectant faith. Y'all captured those two things very well. And it's one thing to watch, you know, to, to hear in these short verses, Habakkuk stations himself. He watches, he waits, and then boom, next verse, you know, God answers, right? And yet we know that all throughout, up to this point, 
before Habakkuk even writes this oracle, he has been waiting and crying out to the Lord and waiting for the Lord to respond to him. And the waiting is hard. And even when God now replies to Habakkuk and gives him his word, in that word, there is, again, you will need to wait. I'm going to give you a vision. It's coming. If it seems slow, wait for it. And there is something about that, that even though to the Lord, it's not slowed, it's not delayed to us, it very much feels oftentimes as if it is. And we are forced to wait on the Lord in ways that we are uncomfortable with. So let's just talk about the fact that Habakkuk positioned himself obediently to wait. Like He, he took his stance where he was supposed to be. Alicia, you mentioned he didn't say, I'm done with you. I'm wandering away. You didn't give me my answer the way I wanted it or how I wanted it. So I'm out of here. He obediently waits. But we struggle sometimes in the waiting to run to other things, to run to other places. So what does it look like for y'all when you're waiting for God's answers to some of your complaints or your confusions or your cries of anger? How are you tempted maybe to be disobedient to what he has called you to do or what he has called you to be? And how have you learned throughout life to be obedient instead? Lori, start us off. Well, I think we need to remember that Habakkuk was in a dire situation, a military type thing where they're going to be taken over by the Babylonians. And a lot of us can be in that hot press of work situations, grief, um, loss, whatever it could be. And you don't feel like there's any other choice but to go ahead and trust him because you're kind of stuck. You're, you're pressed between a rock and a hard place. And so you just really have to trust him and to really figure out a way to choose joy by knowing he is trustworthy despite what's going on. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alicia? Uh, I think the temptation is to, while you wait, is to do something else. So you, you can either busy yourself with other things and not wait or even more, you can try to fix it yourself. So while I'm waiting on God, let me try this. And then if mm-hmm. that doesn't work out, then he'll come through. Mm-hmm. So I think the temptation is to try to fix it in the way, as you said before, like, I think God is going to answer me in this way. So I'm going to go ahead and start now. Mm-hmm. So instead of waiting patiently and obediently, that that temptation is there. Mm-hmm. Alicia, you on my toes. oh no did I steal your lines (laughs) no 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 you didn't steal my lines I'm thinking that man it's one of the chief lies I operate out of like when I'm in the flesh let's say is nobody is going to help me that is a chief lie that I that runs through just the the essence of who I am and the Lord has delivered me in a lot of ways but when I'm in that tight spot and maybe I'm waiting and I don't see things coming up and I don't know maybe even how the Lord would have me move forward in a way that honors him I have also I probably grew up with this mindset of God helps those that help themselves Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all have heard Mm -hmm. that one before it's not in the Bible in case you're wondering (laughs) I was thank you for clarifying you know I had a friend tell me one time that he grew up most of his life thinking that was in the Bible I was like how about that Mm, it's not in the Bible but man we often operate out of that mindset Mm -hmm. so I think yes all those things y'all are talking about I busy myself try to do what I think would please the Lord but maybe in my own strength and how foolish is that or just fruitless work just kind of 
fret over things I can't control. So I think that it is easy to find ourselves in these positions where we are just waiting and trying to be a faithful listener. And instead, we're maybe just busy doing our own thing that's not super helpful. Yeah. So. Well, when you say be a faithful listener, then you're stepping on my toes because I do think even if I don't get outwardly active, I am internally very active like that, Mm -hmm. that chewing something over and it's not listening. I'm filling the space with my own repetitive thoughts, Mm. but to like let those go and there's not really anything there feels scary to me. Yeah. So that's that kind of part of like listening Mm -hmm. silence yeah (laughs) it's uncomfortable it's hard to wait i think that's kind of another take-home message here is that it is hard to be faithful and waiting Mm all right so as we are studying this passage this week the key verse to this whole book and again maybe i would probably say like it's a key theme in the bible the righteous shall live by faith in this verse god's explaining to habakkuk that a man does not live by his own might but by belief in the sovereign, saving power of God. The New Testament uses this verse to explain further that the righteous person is righteous because of his faith in the sovereignly powerful saving work of Christ. So we know because of what Jesus has done, we who believe in him are restored to a right relationship with God and will enjoy the fullness of that relationship, along with a fully right relationship with the world and one another. I've been enjoying listening through these sermons that George preached several years ago, and one of the key themes that keep popping out is how Jesus burns himself out of us. And I think that's what we're kind of connecting the thoughts here is that when we are faithfully walking with the Lord and covered in his righteousness, we cannot help but be changed. And Jesus' righteousness is going to burn his way out of us and God finishes making everything right. So when we think about what it means to count ourselves as righteous, which feels like a tall order, I think Mm -hmm. if we're not thinking in that mindset of Jesus is our righteousness, So what does it look like for us to count ourselves righteous by faith? And how does this righteousness you've been given inform the way you live, particularly when life gets difficult? Start us off, Alicia. I think when life is difficult, that it's easy to forget that we live by His faith. It's His faith that lets us come through the difficulties. It's the Lord's goodness and His graciousness that strengthens us and it renews us. And gives us the ability to wait and be obedient and to trust because we know just by remembering that if we think back, he has brought us through difficulties before and we'll do it again. Yeah. Lori, what were you thinking about how this applies? Well, it's one of my favorite verses, the righteous shall live by faith. Mm -hmm. And you think about that and we're not righteous in and of ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we're not faithful in and of ourselves. But as Alicia so well put, just it is God's righteousness and His faithfulness. But when Mike was preaching on Sunday about faith, I was thinking, you know what? It's kind of like being in your home, and you know where everything is. You can walk around it with no problem, and then all of a sudden the thunderstorm comes along. It's pitch black in the house. But you still can kind of walk by faith because you know where things are in your home unless, oops, you left your laundry basket out and oops. trip on that. But it's it's the same kind of idea, at least that's what was I was thinking of as Mike was preaching, in our own faith as far as when the light, day is full of light and we're going ahead and we're constantly studying God's Word, and we're looking at Him, and we're getting to know Him as our best friend, and as our God, we know 
who he is. And so then when those difficult times come, like you said, Alicia, then the lights are out. You don't know which way to turn, but you do because you have really honed the path of this is who God is. I know he's going to get me through and it will happen. I just have to trust him until that light comes on. I love that. Just thinking about the habits and disciplines of walking in faith. That definitely builds our confidence in the Lord when we don't know what the next steps are. So that's a great point. I love the way that you're fleshing that out. And I couldn't help but think just because we're in a minor prophet, like we see so much, so many themes of justice and mercy that run through the minor prophets. And I think sometimes I think of it as a spectrum and I feel maybe some tension in there. And I feel like this passage just reminds me that it's not the same linear spectrum that I think it is, that we receive God's justice and aren't consumed because of his mercy. Like it reminds me that we are only, like y'all are already hitting on, we're only counted just, we're only counted righteous because of the Lord's mercy. And we see it so clearly, lights on in the New Testament is sprinkled throughout the Bible, but the New Testament is so evident that Jesus is the way that we're going to see that come to pass. But even here in Habakkuk, the Minor Prophets, it's, it's evident that God's people were always people that walk by faith. It's that faith in Christ's work that I live by. There's so many little ways that I feel like that I'm forced to think about that truth in deeper ways when I want to live by my own sort of sense of righteousness or my own soul is puffed up in me or whatever, um, that looking instead to the Lord to say, by your faithfulness, if by my faith in you, do I live? And that can just take so many small and large applications spring from that. But I think what the Lord's saying here to Habakkuk at the very beginning, look, some hard, really hard things are coming. And yet the way he paints this vision and what we're going to see in the upcoming weeks is such that at the end of it, Habakkuk is moved to praise and say, even if all of this devastation comes, yet my hope is found in the Lord. So I think what y'all are saying, it's in those hard places, those dark places where you're tripping over your laundry basket or whatnot, that you say, thank you, Lord, that you've shown me what your faithfulness is. Now can I count on it? That's so helpful. Always well put. Love it. Laurie and Alicia, thank you for joining us today. Listeners, we hope you will join us again next week. Let us keep you company while you're making your first pumpkin spice lattes. Yes. Or maybe while you're folding that laundry, watching some college football this weekend. Alan and Erica Martin will be joining us to talk about Habakkuk 2, verses 6 through 17. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again. A season of clear shining to cheer it after the rain.